Hey, Beers and Ears listeners, Casey and Matt here. You've heard us talk about our partner, Riss and Cal. You know, we've touched on their wireless earbuds, which connect right to your smartphone. But they've also got a lot of other great stuff as well. I use their 4-in-1 charging station every day. It can charge my phone, a smartwatch that charges with a magnet, and even my earbuds. You can also check out their Bluetooth selfie stick, a 3-in-1 charger, and even a silicone accessory kit that comes in either black or white. Yeah, you know, this company checks the two boxes that I love in a product, which is great quality product without having to pay an arm and a leg. I've been playing around with the accessory kit. So this comes with uh, rubber things for the earbuds so they don't fall out of my ears and things to hold the earbuds so they stay in. I always have a terrible time with that, and these uh, work like a charm. So go to fourfrills.com slash shop and use coupon code BEERS, B-E-E-R-S. You'll get 15% off your order, plus a free $10 gift of your choice when you spend $50 or more. And if you have trouble picking just one thing, they've even got a 31-piece bundle that includes everything. Don't forget that a portion of their profits will go to help local charities in need. Let's get started with the show. Welcome to the Beers and Ears podcast. Here are your hosts, Casey Woolley and Matthew Brown. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Beers and Ears podcast. My name's Casey. And I'm Matt. Welcome to today's episode, everybody. We are so excited that you have joined us today. Today's going to be a little bit different of an episode. It's something that we've never done before. Um, In fact, it was born out of kind of a, I don't say by accident, not not, not a mistake. It was actually born out of an activity I'm doing with something else. And Matt and I agreed that this could actually be a, a fun episode to talk about. And so what is it? Well, we're calling this episode Survey Says. If you've ever seen the old show, Family Feud survey says uh, we are working through some surveys that I put out in the field on social media earlier in the week because as everyone knows we're in the middle of a quarantine still and so people are trying to find ways to keep themselves entertained and as a Disney Store cast member I've got several cast members and we are having tomorrow night a family feud night and as you know family feud means that you have to have a number of people uh, put their opinion out there on something and since this is a Disney oriented family feud night I put some of that out there in the field and shared some of that data with Matt and Matt, you got kind of excited about it. Yeah, it it was, you were sharing with me some of the results that you had already gotten. I was like, this is fascinating that people think this and people don't think that. Wow. And we kind of got to talking and we were like, wait a minute, could, could we do an episode on this? And that's kind of how this was, this was born. Yeah, really. Um, and and so what I want to say is this. Um, we're going to review the, reveal the five questions to you in just a moment. But we think that if this episode gets a lot of positive feedback, which we think it will because we find it interesting and we hope you find it interesting too, this might be something we do in the future, a future segment where we put some surveys out there in the field and then discuss the results on a future show. So I think that is definitely kind of where we're headed with this. And I think you're going to be surprised by some of the results. Now, Matt, I think you said you wanted to maybe mention a caveat here, correct? Yes. So realize that the results that we have are from our social media accounts and things like that. So it's definitely, it's not a perfect sample size. And so this is not the end all be all of surveys. So realize this is about 100 people. Um, which is a fairly good sample size, but it, I would say probably 20 to 25% is mostly our friends and family. But I, uh, it, 
a pretty good sample size of, of other outside factors too. But just wanted to put that out there. This is a small sample size from our spheres of influence. Yeah. And, and, you know, I, I went to school, I started to get my master's degree in public administration. I took an amazing class at Eastern Michigan University with Jeff uh, Bernstein on, on just stats and, and trying to work through some of the stuff. So please understand this is not a professional survey. This was very much an informal survey for an activity of 15 cast members. So, so like Matt said, the, the, the results came from our own social media circles, as well as a couple of other Disney Facebook groups, other podcasts podcast that I belong to and just collected the data over the course of about a 72 hour period. Most of the results are um, over 100 to 110, in some cases, 120 actual samples of results. So we're going to kind of get through all that. So let's go just real quick. What are the five questions? So the five questions we're going to be discussing today are, what is your favorite ride at the Magic Kingdom in Walt Disney World. So what is your favorite ride at the Magic Kingdom? So that's number one. Number two is going to be what is your favorite snack in all of Walt Disney World? Number three is going to be what is the best Star Wars movie of not only the original nine, but also including Rogue One and Solo, A Star Wars Story? And then what is the best Disney or Pixar animated movie of all time? And then finally, what is the worst? Disney and or Pixar animated movie of all time. And what's really interesting about all of these results is that I went into this with several assumptions, you know, because obviously I have my personal favorites. And then when you look at the results and you go, whoa, that's not what I was expecting or whoa, that's about what I was expecting. Now, before we get into the actual results, Matt, I just want to clear a couple things up about kind of the methodology I used. So this went out onto Facebook. Uh, it went out as individualized questions to some groups. It went out as a just a set of five questions to other groups, and people were asked to comment. People were able to see other people's answers. So just, just put that out there. If people made multiple, uh, so if they said, you know, what was your favorite ride at Magic Kingdom? And someone said three different rides. I only took the first one on their list. So I want to make sure we put that out there. And then in some cases where there were very similar answers. So I'll give you an example. When we get down to the, the Magic Kingdom snack, someone might say Dole Whip. Someone might say Dole Whip float. I combined those as one answer. In fact, I combined the Dole Whip, the Dole Whip float, and the Citrus Swirl as one answer. So uh, I just want to make sure I put those caveats out there. And then anytime there was uh, an answer of one or less, I combined it into other and just put answers of one or less or in other. But the good news is the top seven was not affected in any of the questions in any way. So really that was more statistical noise. What we're really focused on is the top seven in each of these categories. Does that sound good, Matt? Sounds like a plan. Let's get into it. Yeah, so let's start with the favorite Magic Kingdom ride. Um, so basically, again, we just asked at Magic Kingdom and Walt Disney World, what is your favorite ride? So Matt, before we go through the results here, and by the way, we will post these results up uh, so you can review them um, on our Twitter and our Facebook and all those feeds. But before we get into the results, Matt, what did you think it was going to be going into it? 
So um, I, I forgot that the top one existed when I was thinking through it. I was yeah. when you asked me the question, it was a snap decision. I was like, oh, clearly this is going to be the winner. And for those yep. of you that had listened to the Convince Me Splash Mountain episode, it's no surprise that Splash Mountain was kind of what we thought it was. And then when when you showed me the results, I was like, oh, duh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. In fact, I think your, your, your answer to me was, oh, I'm going to go with the mountains. I'm going to go with Splash Mountain, Space Mountain, and Big Thunder Mountain as what you thought were the top three, correct? Yes, that is correct. So, Matt, what was the number one? First of all, there was 118 respondents. What we're going to give you is not the number of respondents, but the actual percentage of the 118. So what percentage of that 118, Matt, was our number one answer? And what was our number one answer? So number one answer was Haunted Mansion at 28%, which again, I I should have known. And number two, Splash Mountain at 23%. And then there's actually a huge drop off. So number three, Space Mountain at 9%. It's a Small World at 8%. Number five is Peter Pan's Flight with 6%. Seven Dwarves Mine Train with 6%. And Big Thunder Mountain with 6% as well. Those also receiving significant votes were Pirates, People Mover, and Buzz Lightyear Space Ranger Spin. What, What surprised you about this, Casey? Honestly, Haunted Mansion's Flash Mountain did not surprise me at all. Those those continue to be uh, favorites among Disney fans across the world. Flash Mountain's my personal favorite. We did a whole episode on it. I think I am a little shocked at how much of a drop there was between Splash Mountain and Space Mountain to go from 23% down to 9%. You know, Space Mountain is the ride, you know, when you think about thrill rides at the Magic Kingdom, it is the thrill ride. I mean, that and Big Thunder are really the two big thrill rides at the Magic Kingdom. The rest really aren't thrill rides. They're more dark rides or omnimovers or whatever. So I, I think I was probably most shocked at how much of a drop there was between Splash Mountain and Space Mountain. How about you? The the two big surprises for me were how high It's a Small World and Peter Pan's Flight were. Yep. You were saying that as the results were coming in. Like, I, I mean, it's a small one, I think, gets this rep of being the annoying ride. And mm-hmm. it, it, from what the comments we were reading were people were like, no, nah, this is a Disney classic. I, I freaking love this ride. And then Peter Pan's Flight, the other one that I'm like, and, and maybe it's because how I look at a ride is the totality of it. So not yeah. just when I sit down on the ride to when I get off the ride. I have to look at it from... When do I enter the queue? And the yeah. queue for Peter Pan's flight is just always a nightmare because the loading is so slow. And so you're always waiting if you don't have a fast pass, a huge amount of time. And I don't want to use one of my fast passes on that ride. It, Although it, every every major touring podcast and touring website tells you that is one of the rides you should fast pass. Well, it, it, it is if you want to ride it, but it, it yeah. like, I don't know, just on the ride. I'm like, it's the story of Peter Pan in two minutes. I guess yeah. the London scene is cool. And the whole like boat where you go on one side of it and the other side of it is, is other stuff. I, I, I it, like, it, it's fine. I just, with Splash Mountain, Haunted Mansion, Big Thunder, Space Mountain, like all those big ones there, I, I, it, it just surprised me that that was people's favorites. Well, and I, I want to make a kind of a point here to say this real quick. When you add up the percentage of Small World, Peter's Pan, Seven Dwarves Mine Train, and Big Thunder Mountain, when you add those up, you're at 26%. You still have not made the 28% that Haunted Mansion has. Haunted Mansion 
I mean, by far dwarfed this particular survey. And Splash Mountain wasn't too far. I mean, in terms of respondents, Haunted Mansion had 33 out of 118. Splash Mountain had 27 out of 118. The next closest, Space Mountain, was 11 out of 118. So, I mean, when when you look at this, and, and you just said it, one of the reasons why I think people put those way up there is when you look at it from start to finish, the theming, the ride, the ride vehicle, the experience, Haunted Mansion, Splash Mountain just can't be beat. They, they just got it all. Yeah. I think one of the things that I was shocked on, and, and then I think we can move on. I was shocked that Pirates of the Caribbean wasn't higher. You know, if we talk yeah. about theme, talking about, you know, the experience, I, I wonder if people just forget it's there and they just take it for granted. Because Pirates is one of those rides that the ride queue very rarely ever gets above an hour long. Very rarely, only on the busiest of days. And it's one of those rides that you can just take for granted. It's always going to be there because it barely ever breaks down. It barely ever breaks down. So I just wonder if maybe people just forgot it was there. You know, when people are asked about their best experience and their worst experience, they can immediately think about what those are. The neutral experiences, the ones that meet their expectations, those are the ones that are forgetful. And I think that Pirates maybe does that. I think it's just one of those ones you take for granted. Yeah, I hear you. Uh, also, uh, Omission Jungle Cruise got no, uh, at least no significant votes. That was an interesting one. No, it, it fell into other, if it was even on there. I don't even, I don't think it was even on there because we only had, you know, of the other category, it was 3%. It, it only had three respondents. I don't know if Jungle Cruise was one of them or not. So, yeah, definitely. Okay, so let's transition then over to our favorite snack at the Walt Disney World Resort. So there were 115 respondents on this one and again this is one of those ones where the first two dwarfed everything else and honestly the the number one accounted for more than a third of the respondents on this list and and matt why don't you go through the results for us yeah so you may have already be calling it but number one on the list is your dole whip dole whip float citrus swirl the citrus Ice cream, cool yep. snack experience at 35%. 35%, 40 respondents. Yeah, yeah, crazy. Um, number two was your Mickey bar, sandwich, uh, Sundays, things like that at 20%. Number three, your Epcot World Showcase snack. So what, uh, whatever snacks you get in the uh, Epcot World Showcase, 10%. Yeah. And, and I had and a caveat on this real quick, Matt. I had to group these together because I mean, we got a lot of people who threw in a lot of random snacks, the caramel candies from Germany, right? Or the, the frozen Grand Marnier uh, frozen slush from, uh, I think it's Morocco or something, right? You know, we had a number of people put in their World Showcase snacks and there were only onesies, one here, one here. But I was like, you know, what? I'm going to put those together, a snack around the World Showcase. Everyone has a personal favorite. But even then, 10% compared to 35 and 20% of the top two. Yeah. Right. I mean, that's then, a huge drop. And then to round out the top seven, I mean, these are all four and 3%. So it's popcorn or a popcorn bucket, waffle with fruit or Nutella, churro and turkey legs is what rounded out the top seven. And then a bunch of other stuff got like two votes and things like that. But really the, the main heavy hitters were your Dole Whip and your Mickey bar. And, and to be honest with you, snacking around the world in the Epcot world showcase, is a pretty popular thing to do. Can I make Not confession, Casey? Yeah, go ahead. I don't understand the hype of Dole Whip. Really? It, it's good. Don't get me wrong. Like it's not bad. I don't hate the snack. I I've had them. I enjoy them. I, I, I do not understand the like, 
oh my gosh, this is the greatest snack to be ever created. I, I, I just, I, I, I don't get it. I don't know if it's that this is Disney's marketing of because you can only get it at Disney World. That's what hypes it up. But I, I just, again, good snack, very good snack. I don't get it. What's well, funny you say that you can only get it at Disney World. Honestly, you actually can get it elsewhere. There's there's a place over in Naperville over here, Matt. Uh, it's a chicken place, something chicken Perry Perry. I I can't remember Naperville, Illinois, and they've got a frozen pineapple ice cream. It tastes exactly like Dole Whip. In fact, we call it the the generic Dole Whip. Um, in fact, they just released with quarantine the recipe to be able to make Dole Whip. I'm with you. A regular Dole Whip, um, in my opinion. I'm not a huge fan of it, a regular Dole Whip. I mean, not that I don't like it. It's just, it's it's not my go-to. I actually like the citrus swirl. Have you had that one, the one with the orange and the vanilla ice cream? Yeah, like, again, like, it's, it's, it's very good. I just am not as high on it, I think, as what other people are. That's fair. No, I no mean, and that's the same with like a Mickey bar or a Mickey sandwich. I mean, people say that they taste different in the parks. They're not different. They're a little bit bigger in the parks than you could get the ones out here that have come to the grocery stores, the Mickey bars. But it's just vanilla ice cream with, with the dark chocolate glaze. I mean, and it's in the shape. But I think a lot of it has to do with you're in the hot Florida sun. You're, you know, you're you're hungry maybe or you're you're hyped up. You're looking for some sugar or whatever. That By the way, that, that, that number two, Mickey bar, Mickey sandwich, that banana is actually frozen frozen banana. That's actually one of my favorites. I love the frozen bananas at Walt Disney World. I know that sounds crazy, but I just think they taste great. <laughs> and, this is, and this is where my argument falls apart, Casey, because I, I love Mickey ice cream bars and I go ah, nuts for those things. So my argument totally it. falls apart because I'm sure someone could be like, well, listen, a Mickey ice cream bar is just like you said, vanilla ice cream dipped in dark chocolate. You can get that literally at any ice cream place ever. Yeah. Now they're on the on the lower end of the list where there's literally you know two votes apiece two percent. There is some interesting ones that I'm sure surprised did not make their way up further. I am a sucker for the Mickey pretzel with cheese. I love the Mickey pretzel with cheese. When we were down there in February, I had my uh, special cast member coupons that allowed us to get some snacks while we were down there, and we loaded ourselves up with Mickey pretzels with cheese. They were so good. Have you ever had the Cheshire cattail though? I have not had those. Okay, so let me tell you where this is at. Do you even know where they're at? I don't. Okay, so you know where the Mad Tea Party uh, cup, uh, teacups are at right there in Magic oh, yeah. Kingdom? Okay, there is a little cafe right there, right by the, the teacups, right where the Cosmic Rays kind of cafe is at. It's only open to like, it's like two to seven every day. It's only open for like five hours. And it's called the Cheshire Cafe. And it's a little pop-up stand. And basically, think of it like a chocolate croissant with pink uh pink stripes on it to make it look like the cheshire cat tail all right i'm into that i'm it's I'm... really good i had it i had heard about it and every time i'd ever gone to get one they were always closed and nate and i were walking around magic kingdom taking a leisurely stroll and i saw they were open i'm like oh my god we have got to stop to get this cheshire cat tail and it was it was really really well done and then i tried um bacon on a stick for the first time too when i was there which was really good too that was yes. one of the other ones that was listed here and then the beignets i am shocked the beignets at port orleans the mickey beignets only got two votes i i thought they would have been higher up on the list but you don't know about them unless you've stayed at the resort yeah i think that's the big thing with that one is if you haven't stayed at port orleans you don't know about them correct okay 
let's move on to movies now. So three of the questions pertain around movies. The first one we're going to tackle here. Oh boy. I I knew this was going to spark a debate. What is the best Star Wars movie of the 11 live action Star Wars movies made? So obviously we know we've got episodes one through nine. We've got Rogue One. And we've got Solo, A Star Wars Story. So in somebody's, you know, in people's opinion, what is the best Star Wars movie made? Matt, what were the results? Oh, there were 106 respondents on this one. So what were the results? All right. Coming in with um, 50% of the vote is Solo, A Star Wars Story. That was by far everybody's favorite movie. Um, we can just move on. We don't have to discuss anything, right? <laughs> I was looking, I'm going, what is he talking about? Is he going, I was freaking out there for a second. Yeah, Solo got nothing. Solo <laughs> got no votes. In fact, I was very generous with the way that I put it on this list. As other with only one vote or less each, Solo got nothing. Zippo, nada, not one on here. Uh, yeah. Just so you know, it was the only one that only got none. Uh, the other two that were that only got one uh, were Phantom Menace and Attack of the Clones. They were the only other ones that got uh, got one apiece. If you think that Solo, a Star Wars story, is the best Star Wars movie, contact us. You are coming on for a Convince Me episode. We want you. All right. Well, you, anyway. you said you were. You said that you actually enjoyed it, but we'll have to have that conversation uh, another time. I think so. I enjoyed it, but it's not the best Star Wars movie. All right. So All right. Uh, on, on to the Why real. Don't you do, do this one in reverse order. Start from the bottom and work up. Yeah. Okay. So number seven, we had Revenge of the Sith at five percent. Number six was The Force Awakens at 5%. So they were tied. Number five was Rise of Skywalker at 6%. Rogue One was number four at 8%. And then number three, Return of the Jedi at 17%. Number two was A New Hope at 28%. And number one, Empire Strikes Back also at 28%. A little bit of a tie there at the top between Empire and A New Hope. Um, this yep. seems pretty. I, 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 this did not shock me. This this one was interesting as I was watching the results come in because the the original trilogy they were they were battling, they were literally battling each other. At one point they were all tied, and then you started to see Empire, New Hope, Empire, New Hope, Empire, New Hope. New Hope would go up by four or five votes, and then Empire would come back and go up by two or three votes, and and then. I, I stopped all voting at the end of the, the night that I stopped it. And sure enough, they were 30, 30 votes apiece. It, it didn't shock me. I mean, when you talk to any Star Wars fan, uh, they will, and I won't say any, obviously, but when you talk to a lot of Star Wars fans, apparently 28% of them, they will tell you that Empire Strikes Back is the the number one Star Wars movie for the way it was produced, the way it was made. And and I'll say that when I rewatched them, I, I rewatched a few, few, few months ago and I went through one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight in preparation for nine. I, I found a newfound appreciation for empire. You know, I think, you know, you and I had talked previously back on star Wars, a general overview that you go from watching the prequels with all these beautiful graphics and everything. And then you go back and see these first three, especially if the, if the first three you were exposed to were the prequels, you don't have that same aha where a lot of people have nostalgia. So I was able to kind of go back and watch the empire empire strikes back and I think I came to a deeper appreciation. It's just a well-done movie. They did a great job with it. I mean, it's, yeah, it's no, well-produced. Absolutely. Like, I have no problem with these results here. And the one thing I will say, the more Star Wars fans that I talked to, you know, Rogue One came in at number four here with a fairly significant percentage. The more Star Wars fans that I talked to, 
the more they're really high on that movie, which to me is so interesting because I feel like the consensus around a lot of the Star Wars fan base is when Disney took over Star Wars, they ruined all the movies. And this was a movie that Disney made and produced and did fantastic. And Star Wars fans love it. And I think so it, I, I think I there's think something to be said about the fact that two of the top five are Disney produced and none of the prequels are in the top five. Yeah. Yeah. People do not have many love for the prequels, which is, it, which is interesting. So yeah, I mean, it, it, I, I was not shocked by these results and I would be interested to hear more about people's opinions, like on a deeper level um, on these though. So yeah. I mean, I think at the end of the day, it, it's, you know, we, we talked about this on the Star Wars general overview that, you know, everyone's got a different nostalgia for the different movies and a different reason for the way that they they rank certain things. I, I do want to go back real quick and correct the record. I was incorrect. The one other movie that did not have any votes besides Solo was Last Jedi. Uh, Last Jedi did not have one vote. So I think the 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 court has settled that. I know there's been a lot of people talking about it, but you know when you do a survey, yeah, 106 people, no one liked Last Jedi. So there you go. <laughs> you know, take it for what it is, right? Yeah, exactly. All right, let's move on. We've got two more to do. So now we're going to move into more like the the Disney world, no pun intended, uh, of of Disney and Pixar animated movies. So the first question we asked people was, what is the best Disney animated movie of all time. Now, again, we didn't tell people to how to pick it from a criteria perspective. They were allowed to pick it however they wanted, whether it was sentimental, the way it was created, whatever. There were 121 respondents on this one. And I will tell you there, there, there was 17% of the vote were movies that received one vote. So you're not going to hear about them. They were just grouped together. So 17% of the vote were movies that received one vote. And then there were a number of movies that received two votes. And I'm just going to go through those real quick. And then I'll let Matt handle the top seven plus the couple extra. So the ones that received two vote, uh, 2% of the vote, so they basically received either two or three votes, were Princess and the Frog at 2%, Coco at 2%, Lilo and Stitch at 2%, Frozen at 2%, Robin Hood at 2%, Brave at 2%, The Nightmare Before Christmas at 2%, and The Sword in the Stone at 2%. And before I let Matt go through and do the, the other ones, I will tell you the one that surprised me the most on that list, being only with two votes, was Frozen. I was shocked beyond measure on that, that Frozen lives at 2%. What, what, what are your thoughts on that, Matt? I think that's, we'll get to this in our top uh, in our top seven, I think that shows who our sample size is. Yep. Our sample size is not the people that are growing up with Frozen. If we did this Correct. same thing and did the same poll in 10 years with with a different crowd, I'll bet Frozen is is top of the line here. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, again, clearly we're what the the top seven is filled with movies that are from the 90s Renaissance period, and that that yeah. makes sense for who our sample size was. Yeah. So why don't you go in and do that? So that's we have our top seven, but go in and go start with the you know the three percent there and work up. Let's do that. Yeah. So um, I guess this makes it a top ten. So yeah. um, coming at uh, number ten is Toy Story at three percent, Jungle Book at three percent, Peter Pan at four percent, and then number seven Moana at five percent. Number six was Sleeping Beauty at six percent. 
Number five, Beauty and the Beast at 7%. Number four, Tangled at 7%. Number three, Little Mermaid at 7%. So before you go to that, so they were they were tied. So Little Mermaid, Tangled, and Beauty and the Beast all tied at 7% apiece. Yeah. Aladdin is number two at 9%. And then number one was Lion King at 17%. Taking a pretty large chunk. Like the 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 step from 17 to 9 is pretty huge. So what what, what are your yeah. thoughts on this? I think your point about our sample size being millennials aged 26 to 45 ish, get a little bit of the millennials, get all the millennials, get a little bit of the, the generation X young, younger generation X. There might even be some younger, like in their twenties um, generation Z here. I think that definitely plays a role. I, I can't say I disagree. I, I, Aladdin's my all-time favorite movie, but Lion King is definitely an amazing movie. I think it's interesting to see that Lion King being one of the only original storyline movies, animated movies that Disney ever produced being the number one on this list. I think that that, again, for people is nostalgia. It doesn't surprise me from a, a merch perspective with how much Lion King stuff we sell on a daily basis. I, you know, When you look at the list, Lion King, Aladdin, Little Mermaid, Tangled, Beauty and the Beast, and Moana, they're all from late 80s to current. The only one that's on there that's different is Sleeping Beauty at at 6%. I think that one was that one shocked me a little bit. I was a little surprised when people put their answers as to why it had to do with how beautifully drawn it was. Yeah, I mean, it definitely is a, a gorgeous movie and has one of the all-time great Disney villains. I, I yeah. will say, though, the reason that. that this list surprised me was because of our sample size. That had it been like the top four been some combination of Lion King, Aladdin, Little Mermaid, and Beauty and the Beast, I would have been like, yeah, that makes sense. But the fact that Tangled sneaks in there at number four is incredibly interesting to me because you'd think of the new movies, it's Frozen that dominates, but it seems like amongst the crowd, again, the crowd in our spheres, Tangled is actually the one that is more loved. And I mean, I am clearly in agreement. If you've listened to our top 10 Disney characters episode, I had both Rapunzel and Flynn Rider in the top 10. So that just, that was just interesting to me. I think one of the reasons why we don't see as many Pixar up there, I think that might have been more of a flaw in the survey. I don't think many people realized that Pixar could be included. We saw a lot of people going, you know, well, if Pixar can be included, it would be this, right? So I think that maybe that could have been a flaw with, with the way um, – why you don't see Pixar as high up as you could. I'd be really interested to see if we were to do this again, what would be people's favorite Pixar movie of all time? You know, I'll bet Toy Story would be up there if we had put more of the Pixar focus, but ultimately like, I mean, I'm a little bit interested to see being the beast so far down. Cause I think that's a fabulous movie, but uh, again, like I, 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 there's not anything that I'm like, Oh man, this is shock and awe here. So that takes us to our final question. Uh, what was the worst Disney or Pixar animated movie of all time? And again, uh, those with one vote each accounted for 12 total selections, 11% of the vote. There were 112 uh, respondents on this one, so a little bit less than the last one. Those that had 3% or 2% of the vote included uh, Emperor's New Groove, Sleeping Beauty, Dumbo, Inside Out, Lion King, Pinocchio, Brother Bear, Snow White and the Seven Dwarves, Jungle Book, and Fantasia uh, were kind of your two three percenters. 
at your 4%, you had The Rescuers, Alice in Wonderland, Black Cauldron, and then I grouped these together. Any direct-to-video sequel came in at uh, 4% because I got a couple of those, which I thought was was funny. But then we get our top seven. And so, Matt, uh, take it away from the bottom all the way up. All right. Number seven was Frozen at 4%. Mm-hmm. Number six was Bambi at 4%. Number five was Pocahontas at 6%. Sorry, number five was Pocahontas at 5%. Number four was The Good Dinosaur at 6%. Number three was The Hunchback of Notre Dame with 9%. Chicken Little at number two with 9%. And Home on the Range with 14%. Okay. So I know you've got some thoughts. Before you go into yours, let me give you mine. Because I know you've got a couple. And I I think you're going to be more interested than mine are. (laughs) So I know why Bambi's on this list. You don't go to see a Disney movie to be sad. And I, I think that. Bambi is one of those movies that traumatizes children. I refuse to even see the movie. I, I will not watch Bambi. I refuse to watch it. It will not be a movie we review on this podcast because I know enough about it and I don't need to see Bambi's mother get shot. I just, I don't, I, don't, I, I refuse to see it. Pocahontas, uh, the reason why this is on the list, and I heard it from everyone who listed Pocahontas, was because it is historically inaccurate. So those two I get. Um, Frozen, I just a lot of people who put Frozen on this list just said they don't like the movie, too many character plot holes. In fact, my friend Carly, she went on a whole tirade about it. You know, here's why I don't like it, too many plot holes, I don't understand this, blah, 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 blah. And I respect her for it. I, she's like, Moana's a much better movie uh, with a strong female character where Frozen, you know, she just wasn't a fan of it. So that leaves us with the, the top four, right? Home on the Range, Chicken Little, Hunchback of Notre Dame, and The Good Dinosaur. I know Good Dino doesn't have a lot of fans out there. I personally liked The Good Dino. I didn't think it was great, but I thought it was good. You know how I feel about The Hunchback in Notre Dame. I don't like that movie. I personally can't stand that movie. It is my my fiance Nate's one of his favorite movies. But again, it's a very dark movie on my end. So, you know, the other two, you know, <laughs> let's be honest with you, Home on the Range is just a horrible movie. It's just a horrible movie. So, uh, but I, I want, I'm curious to hear what you have to say, because you said this is the one you have the most to talk about. Yes. This is the one that, that the results made me kind of flip out. And because I think where people took this question is what's the most overrated Disney movie? Because I'm sorry, Hunchback of Notre Dame, you can say you don't like it. It's not a bad movie. It's a good movie. You can say you don't like it. I, I take this similar to my favorite movie is The Emperor's New Groove. Fact. This is a fact. You will hear me talk about it on the show all the time. I love that movie. It is my favorite. It is not the best Disney movie out there. It is not. <laughs> I, I can list off 10 movies off the top of my head that are better than that movie. Home on the Range makes Chicken Little look like it should have been nominated for an Academy Award. Uh, let, let, let me just give you the minute and a half whirlwind of Home on the Range so we can not do that episode. So <laughs> it starts out where the first line of the movie is the cow. It, show, it zooms in on the main cow's udders, and it is the cow voiced by Roseanne, and she goes, yeah, they're real. And it's like, oh, that's how we're leading this film. That's a great joke. And then the the plot is just... Eh. And the one line that sums it all up is there's a black market cow dealer and the main villain. They're like discussing things and the cows are trying to escape and all this chaos is going on. And the black market cow dealer goes, I gave up clown school for this. 
and you're like, wait, what? Is clown school better than black market cow dealer? I would argue that's a parallel movement. This makes no sense. Like it, it's, it is a dumpster fire of a movie. And so I have very strong opinions on this in that if you don't think that Home on the Range is the worst Disney movie, you clearly have not watched Home on the Range or you have blocked it out in your memory because it's, uh, you don't want to remember it, which honestly, you're probably better off that way. But the, the, the notion, even Frozen, I can understand that there's plot holes, you don't like it, that's fine. But to say it's the worst, that's the worst Disney movie. That just, I, I think people took it too much as like, what Disney movie does everybody like that I don't like? And I think that that's a different question. Yeah, I definitely think that the way the question is asked, and, and like we said at the very beginning of the episode, we didn't give anybody criteria on how to to make their decisions on these five questions. They were very straightforward questions. What is the worst Disney movie? What is the best Disney movie? What is your favorite snack? What is the best Star Wars movie? And what is your favorite ride at Magic Kingdom? It almost makes you wonder if you were to ask the question, what is your favorite Disney animated movie? What is your least favorite Disney animated movie? What kind of results you would get? You know, and I, and I think that it's also important to note that there are different levels of Disney fan base out there. You know, there is your diehard Disney fan base who is like us who can sit down and, and look at a movie and appreciate it for how well done it is, how well made it is, how well drawn it is, how well animated the scripting, the storyline, the character development, the score. But there's also, and, and I would argue there is a larger population of people out there who watch a Disney movie for the intention the Disney movie was made, which is just pure entertainment. They sit down, they see it as a kid's movie. They watch it for 90 minutes to an hour and 45 and they move on. They don't dissect it the way that we would, or somebody who's more of a hardcore fan or a, a huge film fan would. Right. So I think you're right. I think there's definitely, cause I can look at the hunchback and say hunchback's a beautiful movie. I don't think it ranks up there as one of the best Disney movies created. Right. I can look at uh frozen again. I think frozen's a great frozen's a decent movie. It's, it's a, I'd say mid level for me, but when you look at frozen two, which by the way, didn't even make the darn list. I think we had two votes on it in totality for best movie. It's an exquisitely done movie, but how much of that is the fact that it was made in 2019 with technology that wasn't available 80 years ago, yeah. you know? Yeah. So, you know, because Sleeping Beauty being on the list where it was, I totally get it. I, again, one of the best Disney villains of all time, one of the best drawn movies of, of all time. And I will tell you when Sleeping Beauty first came out, it was, it was actually criticized because of the drawing style. Uh, critics looked at it and, and, and people looked at it and said, oh, this drawing style will never work with the American public. But here we are, you know, X number of decades later and people appreciate it for the art that it really is. Yeah, it was the movie that made Disney can princess films until The Little Mermaid. <laughs> No, I, I, uh, you're right. Home on the Range absolutely deserves to be on this list. I'm trying to think if I've ever actually seen Chicken Little. I get that confused with Stuart Little, but I think, you know, obviously they're two different things. But, you know, Chicken Little at least has some like cute moments where you're like, okay, this is funny. Like, again, I'm not, don't get me wrong, I'm not recommending that you go home and watch that movie, but I, I can think of some good moments of it. 
Well, ladies and gentlemen, that is our list. So we're going to put these up on the Facebook page. We're going to put them up on the Instagram account, the LinkedIn account, or not LinkedIn, wow, Twitter account, and and just so you can see the results. Curious to know what, what you guys think. I mean, you may have even participated in the survey. You might have been one of the folks who actually took the survey. But, you know, I think that overall there's not a lot of surprise but i think that when you dissect some of the results you can totally understand why people said what they said do you have any final thoughts on it matt yeah this was this was fun um, I, agree. I, I enjoyed hearing from all of you and thank you to those that participated in these surveys it really was fun to hear your answers I agree. So um, if you need to get a hold of us, again, you can find us on Facebook at uh, Beers and Ears Podcast. You can find us on Instagram and Twitter at Beers Ears 1928. If you want to email us, just Beers and Ears 1928 at gmail.com. And Matt, our new episodes release on Tuesdays and Fridays. So check back here at the Beers and Ears Podcast every Tuesday and Friday. Please let us know um, what you what you thought of the episode and uh, what maybe some questions that you think we should ask for future episodes of Survey Sense. All right, that does it for us today, guys. Have a wonderful day. We'll see you again real soon. See you, everybody.